what? <laughs> now you can make a rhyme? You were um, supposed to make a Chick-fil-A rhyme an hour ago. Oh, yeah. And it was trash. <laughs> no justice, no peace, no mustard with three peas. <laughs> My name is Jake. My name is Rory. And I'm your host, Katie. And today we are talking about Justin Ross Harris. And uh, where'd you do your research for this one, Katie? This one was the documentary Fatal Distraction and then um, Harris's interrogation. Mm. And uh, where... Which was long. Yeah, real long. We watched it. and uh... It was an hour <laughs> and 20 minutes. That's a long time, though. That is not a long time for to a watch police that interrogation. Guy? To watch that guy, though? Yeah, Man. that guy is not intriguing. <laughs> Just kidding. It's not intriguing. Should I just throw this whole episode out then? <laughs> Rory's not intrigued. We can't do it anymore. Sorry, guys. Katie picked a shit episode. No, I'm, Did I'm, someone request this? I'm actually no. really excited about this episode because I have a lot of opinions, as we've already discussed. No, no one suggested this, but his conviction was overturned like oh. two days ago, so I figured we could discuss discussion hell yeah um no this guy is the milk toastiest white boy you will ever see like he is just he looks like the doughboy. he, he looks like he would be a very exuberant member of the proud boys yeah he actually does but like just picture okay so picture um is this pre proud boys it is right i'm trying to think of a celebrity that he would look like okay so picture, i tried dude He's so generic. It's hard yeah. to pick someone. He looks like <laughs> Richard Spencer. Do you guys know who that is? Isn't that the, the white supremacist guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jake? I'm, I'm not aware. Not he aware? looks like a chubbier version of him to me. <laughs> <laughs> that guy looks like someone photoshopped his face on a body. I was thinking that guy looked like someone photoshopped his face on a thumb. He looks like, <laughs> a, he looks like a Nazi to me. Yeah. Like, imagine if, like, all right, everyone, take a look at your thumb. And give it a swoop haircut, and that's what this guy looks like. <laughs> Supposedly, he's no longer a alt-right neo-Nazi. Oh, so he's just like a, a middle-of-the-road neo-Nazi? That's what he put on his Plenty of Fish profile. Oh, good he said, for him. Drop some of the hate, guys. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little bit. <laughs> just enough to bring us back to the middle of the neo-Nazism. All right, Katie, why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one? Justin Ross Harris, who goes by his middle name Ross, was born in November of 1980. Uh, For those following along and taking notes, that's Ross, spelled how it sounds, and Harris, Henry Alpha Robert Robert Idiot Shitbag. Pretty much. So, in case you're not going to get that reference, though... They will if they watch the interview. Yeah, go ahead and watch the interrogation. It's not an interview. (laughs) Go ahead and watch the interrogation. (laughs) Yeah. No, an interview has a mutual, be- mutually beneficial thing. An There's interrogation is only beneficial nothing. to one side. <laughs> There's nothing ever mutually beneficial about talking to the police. <laughs> Never. Ever. ever. That's why it's an interrogation. We will get to that. Yes. Ross Harris met his wife, Leanna, while they were attending the University of Alabama. Ross was performing at a local open mic night that Leanna attended, and the attraction was instant. According to her, Ross was extremely extroverted, making friends everywhere he went. 
He proposed to her at a restaurant after spending the day at a University of Alabama football game. Alabama restaurants are just like Waffle House and IHOP, right? TGI Fridays, maybe? Yeah. Oh, Applebee's. Oh, yeah, there's a song about the Applebee's. <sighs> this lady had some questionable taste. We'll just start out with okay, that. Okay, so what did he do at this open mic? Was he like playing guitar and singing dashboard confessional songs? I think he was playing the couch. I think he was singing. There was a picture of him in the documentary of him on the stage with like a band. Oh yeah, he's a singer. Was I would he, like, love. I know hit. he can play guitar. He was chubby Bo Burnham. <laughs> no, my 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 in my assumption, it's in some like. Uh, well, he he graduated with what a degree? Oh wait, hang on, we haven't gotten there yet. He was chubby. He did graduate with a degree, yes. Yeah, but I was gonna say like he's got his like MBA, so it was like some MBA themed cover band, like it's uh <laughs> like Jim Jim MBA Buffett or something like that. And they just do Jimmy Buffett cover songs. Jim B A M Jim B A I don't know. Chubby Bo Burnham. Okay. On May 27, 2006, they were married. Leanna describes their marriage as a perfect one. Ross constantly complimented her, telling her she was beautiful and that he loved her. Which is usually a overcompensation. Oh, you're not supposed to do that? Not no. constantly love-bombing someone, no. Love-bombing? Noted. <laughs> what, you're doing this? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. So you just... You just gotta balance it. Life is all about balance. You, you're nice one day, be super fucking mean the next day. <laughs> I mean... Okay. okay, that makes sense then. Typically, you're not constantly looking at your wife and just telling her she's beautiful and you love her more than anything. And this is like the best day of his life every single day. You'd probably get a little suspicious of that. Every day is the best day of my life, baby. I would, I would never be with a person who had a good day every day because... It's way too much work. But, I mean, typically, I mean, at least in this case, he was obviously compensating for something and trying to make her not suspicious. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. So you think it was a guilty conscience? Probably. Hmm. So ladies, be suspicious if your man likes you, I guess. <laughs> If the only thing they ever say to you is how much they love you and how beautiful you are, then be suspicious, girls. <laughs> be suspicious. Rory, back with the feminist icon <laughs> yeah. advice again. Yeah. Don't ever listen to those lies. You know. Wouldn't you get uncomfortable if someone constantly was just doting on you and giving you strictly words of affirmation and nothing else? You never got com like constructive criticism. Oh well, I really get off to being told I'm wrong, so. You guys are not very good examples. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm not wrong, but yeah, go ahead and say it anyway. No, I'm never wrong. What are you talking... I mean, no, yeah, I, I, like I know. I, I get what you're saying, though, Katie, because <laughs> if you're feeling guilty, you overcompensate for sure. So he definitely maybe has some skeletons in the closet that we might find out about. He probably just feels guilty for taking her to IHOP on their first date. They graduated in 2012, with Ross getting his bachelor's in commerce and business management. The couple moved from Alabama to Marietta, Georgia, where Ross got a job working as a web developer for Home Depot and Leanna as a dietitian. BMO. B 
business management overdrive, Bachman Turner overdrive <laughs> band. I, I figured it out. Um, Home Depot has a terrible website, though. You can blame this guy for that. I 100%, 100% do. It's this guy's fault. His workday was four and a half fucking hours long. This well, dude did not work. Yeah, we can get to that. <laughs> yeah, all right. When sorry. we get to the timeline, we can discuss how he never had to work, and his bosses probably fired him even if he had been actually good. Like, yeah. not guilty. Uh, customers are complaining about the website. Sucks to suck, bro. Unfortunately, the worst thing this guy did in his life is not the Home Depot website. Yeah. After their move to Georgia, Ross and Leanna decided they wanted a child. Leanna carefully planned the pregnancy, tracking her cycles to ensure she would conceive. In November 2012, on Ross's birthday, Leanna learned that she was pregnant. Nine months later, Cooper Harris was born. That is actually a super awesome name. It's uh, two different hawks, and that doesn't work with all birds if you think about it. <laughs> Nobody thought about it except maybe these parents. Yeah, I mean... Well, they made his middle name Mills. Dude, they, they, that's even cooler, though. Like, think about it. Could have made it like Peregrine. It's like a very Alabama name. That is. I kind of I dig it, though. I'm, I think the kid had a dope name. I mean, I mean it could have been Bald Eagle, so yeah, he <laughs> yeah, did a good fucking yeah, job. Yeah, two hawks, and you could have been Tit Warbler Grackle or something, and it would have been super shitty. But to all of our Alabama listeners, we don't really... Stop naming your kids after birds, yeah, dumbasses. True. Okay. Don't shame the kid. Yeah, I like the kid's name. He probably was a badass little kid. According to Leanna, Ross was a very involved parent, and their lives both revolved around Cooper from the moment he was born. Because both were working and taking care of a newborn, their sex life was practically non-existent. Leanna reported that the two were not intimate for nine months after Cooper's birth. Eventually, she told her mother-in-law that Ross did not want to have sex with her and that it was causing problems with their marriage. Weird discussion to have with your mother-in-law about her son. I didn't see her, Leanna's mom involved in the documentary at all, so I don't know if her mom's alive. So mm. her mother-in-law might, might have taken over that mother figure role uh, in her life. That makes sense. Leanna eventually discovered that Ross had a pornography addiction. Before sitting Leanna down and confessing to her, Ross reached out to a friend named Billy, the psychologist, and his brother Mike, telling them that he believed he was becoming addicted. The two worked together to monitor Ross's computer usage and get him help for his addiction. With friends like these, he'll need a proxy server. Dumb. <laughs> Despite this, Leanna reported that their marriage was still a good one and that Ross was a very involved father. Okay, Katie. Can you actually be addicted to pornography? Yes. Now, it's the same chemical process in your brain that causes addiction or is porn a different thing entirely well i mean there's no like physical addiction obviously because you're not putting a substance in your body but it's still putting I mean, a substance out of your body <laughs> you can become really addicted to anything if it starts to interrupt your daily life and your happiness then yes you're addicted to it so jesus told me that porn is addictive when i was a kid uh, Not like himself, but in his book. <laughs> but yeah, porn addiction is a real thing, and it can happen. Okay, so what? how much porn do you have to watch to be considered <laughs> addicted? <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> and what if you don't jerk off to it? I yeah. assume you're asking for a friend. No, definitely want the knowledge for my own <laughs> edification. going to draw the line I'm somewhere. Draw, there has to be a line somewhere. And uh, I'm going to stay on this side of it. It's not really how much porn you watch. It's 
if it affects your daily life. So if you're missing work or school. To stay home and jerk off. To stay home and watch porn, then it is obviously a problem. Or if you have like an emotional reaction, like if you get angry because Mm -hmm. you are not able to get to a computer to watch porn, then that is a good sign that you're addicted. It's like imagine if you intentionally got to work a half hour before me and Aaron so that you could go in and jerk off at your desk. And, and some people don't jerk off every time. Some people just watch porn. Okay. I am not addicted to porn. Like, <laughs> if that's the case, like, I don't think about porn all that often, except for when it's necessary. <laughs> okay. It might even be in the DSM-5. I'm not sure. A typical morning for the Harris family began with Leanna going to work and Ross taking Cooper to daycare at the Little Apron Academy. Is this like a toddler culinary school? It's a toddler Home Depot school. Orange aprons, bruv. Oh, like that type of apron. Yeah, right? It was, it was in a Home Depot parking lot, so I think it might be related. I'm not sure. Yeah, they have the, or- the orange aprons from Home Depot, bruv. What? This is a thing? Yeah, dude. They I apply- train them to be Home Depot employees in the future. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's really hard to get a job at Home Depot. I went and applied for a job at Home Depot like eight years ago. Yeah, and uh, they I remember the little aprons thing. Well, this kid was it was very listed young. under benefits, like they offered daycare. Yeah, I think it was a daycare provided by oh. Home Depot because he worked for the company. Yeah, like a benefit thing. That's a that's a legit benefit from Home this Depot, like one hundred percent. Spoon fellow, this guy, he's just got all his benefits and his fucking four hour work day. I'm gonna go ahead and try to get a job at Home Depot. <laughs> we gotta get tech first, and get a degree. In I'm tech savvy. Oh no, yeah, and a, a BMO. No problem, bro. It's my motto in life. I think it's an MBA. Typically, Ross would drop Cooper off, then stop at a nearby Chick-fil-A for breakfast. Occasionally, around two to three times a month, according to him, Ross would change his order and take Cooper to get breakfast with him before dropping him off at daycare and heading to work. No, in his interview it says because if they don't get to the daycare by 8.30, he doesn't get served breakfast at the daycare, Correct. I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what he was getting at, I think. So, and typically he arrived, like, they arrived at 8.45, 9-ish, is what he was saying. So, occasionally he would eat at the daycare because he would get there at 8.45 and there'd be kids still eating and stuff like that. But if they didn't feed him at home before they left for work, he had to stop and get food somewhere usually because he didn't drop him off until around 9 because he had to be at work at 9.30. Correct? Yes. All right. Just kind of setting it up so you guys get a little more background. On June 18th, 2014, Ross decided that he and Cooper would have breakfast together. They ate at the restaurant around 9 a.m. with surveillance footage showing Ross holding Cooper inside the building as the two ordered. After eating, Ross strapped Cooper into his rear-facing car seat in the back of his Hyundai Tucson, kissed him on the cheek, and left the parking lot. The Chick-fil-A was less than a mile from Ross's work at the Home Depot office building, but in the opposite direction of the Little Apron Academy. Instead of taking a left towards the daycare, Ross Harris instead heads straight for work, pulling into the parking lot around 9.30 a.m., around two to three minutes after leaving the Chick-fil-A. He sits in the car for about 30 seconds before exiting and going into the building. At one point while pulling into the parking lot, Ross has to back the car up, meaning he either looked in his rear view or behind him. Although Cooper was in a rear-facing car seat, he was 22 months old, so his head likely would have been visible. 
Ross drove a Tucson, but photos would show that Cooper was directly over his right shoulder. Because the Tucson's the smallest of the SUVs. The Santa Fe in the Hyundai lineup is bigger. So then, you know, maybe he had a little plausible deniability there. Yeah, he picked the wrong Hyundai, bro. So, but my thing is, couldn't he just be using his mirrors? Because you see him, when, when you see him pull in the parking lot, you see him pull back, pull past a row of empty spaces on his left and kind of make like a swooping right turn and then just sort of quickly back in and turn into the spot he wants to get to. I mean, it's entirely possible that since he was aware that he had no cars there on this side of it, he could just use his mirrors to quickly, without having to use his rear view at all. So it's not likely that... I mean, I don't know how strong of evidence that is that he did this maliciously or anything. But... No, it's it's not. But, I mean, how often do you back your car up and not look in your rear view? Yeah, that's a... Uh... At least. Yeah. I mean, most people use that solely to back their car up instead of actually turning and looking behind them. Do you know what year his uh, Hyundai Tucson was? I think it was probably a newer model, like a 2012. Yeah, it was newish. It wasn't. 2012 had a $2,500 optional backup camera. Ooh. Part of a 20, it was a $2,500 package that you could get that had the backup camera. So, I mean, if he did have the backup camera, he could technically just look down and never have to worry about it. True. Hmm. And it's got beepers. Hmm. Interesting. Eh, fuck this guy. Yeah. Before we discuss the case further, let's discuss some facts about hot car deaths. Since 1998, there have been almost a 1,000 children who have died from being left in a hot car. 53% of those have been forgotten. Around 26% of hot car deaths are due to children getting into unattended vehicles without their parents' knowledge. More than half of the deaths of children who were forgotten are children under 3 years old. So why are we seeing such a high spike in young children being forgotten? With the invention of airbags and the newfound vehicle safety measures of the last 30 years, children are no longer riding in the front seat of cars. On top of riding in the back seat, children under 3 ride in rear-facing car seats. These are obviously far safer in the event of a car accident, but parents can no longer see their children. Hot car deaths are typically, and I want to emphasize typically, the result of a distraction on the parent's part. A majority of deaths occur on Thursdays and Fridays, the end of the work week. Most parents whose children have been forgotten in the car believe that they drop them off at preschool or daycare. I 100% believe that hot car deaths can, and usually are, an accident. A child's body temperature rises three to five times faster than an adult's. According to a study done by Stanford University, the temperature inside a car rises about 40 degrees in Fahrenheit over the course of an hour, despite outside temperatures. Most of the rise in temperature occurs within the first half an hour. This means a car parked in the sun on a 70-degree day can reach temperatures over 110 degrees in only an hour. The study also found that leaving a window cracked has almost no effect on the temperature inside the car. Combined with a child's internal temperature rising faster than an adult's, a hot car death can occur within minutes of a child being forgotten. I, I kind of feel like, you know, those people that that say that, you know, 110 degrees, you know, oh, it's 110 degrees outside. Are you telling me a baby can't survive outside? It's, no, when it's when it's hot outside, it doesn't matter. Your car's going to get crazy fucking hot. My, my debit card melted when it was only 90 outside, like turned into like a, a taco. Yeah, so what do you think's going to happen to a baby? Yeah. I can't believe that this actually needed to have a study to tell people don't leave your kid in a hot fucking car. 
Well, and when you're inside of a car, you're not getting any air circulation, so it's just... It's only using up your oxygen. Yeah. Yeah, all you can breathe is hot air, which causes your internal temperature to rise even faster. So maybe we need to start making plants a standard option in a car. Just growing in the back, keep the kids get plenty of oxygen. Make kids walk everywhere. No more cars for kids. Now, back to Ross Harris. That's Harris. Henry, Elf, <laughs> Robert, Robert, idiot shitbag. Around 1230, Ross went with some co-workers to a nearby Publix, a grocery store, for lunch. I have always wanted to go to a Publix for lunch. I've heard of this Publix place. I don't know what it I is. I want a sandwich. It's a grocery store. It's. I think it's like a glorified Safeway. No. What? You've no, never what? been to one. How do you know? <laughs> because I've heard such glorious things in my mind. I, it's like Fred Glorified. Meyer for Jake. I do love Fred Meyer. The Fred Meyer in Portland, let me tell you, folks. <laughs> it's just a magical place. Jake's going to take you there when we head up there. Yeah. We're going to Fred Meyer. It's like a grocery store restaurant kind I'm, of thing. I want to try their sandwich. They got a Publix in Portland? I don't think Seattle, so. Seattle, maybe? No, I think that's an East it's Coast. It's like a Southern thing, yeah. Fuck them. Fuck all of them. After this, Ross and coworkers stopped at a nearby Home Depot where Ross purchased light bulbs. <laughs> He's like, I'm technically still at work. <laughs> like my lunch is over his boss is like uh-huh. yeah he's filling out his time card on site from 12 to twelve twenty-two or whatever <laughs> he's like what are you doing uh checking inventory specs uh, yeah light bulbs <laughs> i was, was home in home testing uh, i decided to pick up these new mm-hmm. uh phillips high density leds slap them in a home mm-hmm. testing web developer yeah, testing how they reflect Hooked. off my fucking computer <laughs> Hooked screen. Hooked them up to the internet. Yes, and they glowed uh, brightly. Mm-hmm. After arriving back at the office building, Ross placed the light bulbs on the front seat of his car, apparently not looking inside as he tossed them in, which a lot of people pointed out that's typically not how you would put light bulbs in your car. Well, here's the thing. Because he literally went and just tossed them. Yeah, well, if it's dark out, maybe... Let there be light. (laughs) So, I don't know, man. I've tossed some pretty fragile shit onto my front seat without a whim or care. But, I mean, he was... It's. I mean, it's grainy surveillance footage, but if he did just casually toss the light bulbs in, he was tall as fuck. So his head was over the top of the car. So if he didn't actually, like, bend down to look in the car, Mm, he wouldn't have seen into it. Around 4.15 p.m., Ross's workday was over. He planned on going to the nearby AMC to see 22 Jump Street with co-workers immediately after work. That's who he looks like. Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and tell you this dude has the easiest workday ever. Just so easy. Like, your job is half lunch. You show up at 9.30. You go to lunch at noon. You, you come back, let's say... What time did he get back, Katie? 12.52, because we watched him fucking toss that shit in there. So he's, like, at an hour lunch. Oh, that's not... I was thinking he took way longer. Good for him. Yeah. It was well, 12.30. He, he took a half hour lunch. Oh. Well, he was on site. What, what was Straight the, up, he's counting his trip to Home Depot at work. Didn't they make the dude read it out loud? At the, at the trial when he got back? They might have. I don't know. Interesting. Either way. He read the seconds, too, though. Yeah. Gravy. He had gravy work day. Yeah. And they were like, you don't have a set time when you got to come and go? And he's like, 
long as I get the job done. Yeah. Which means he's got some poor dude working fucking 70 hours a week in there so that he can work four and a half hours a day. Yeah, Peter over in tech support's working crazy hard. While driving to the theater, Ross noticed Cooper's body in the back seat while looking over his shoulder to change lanes. He pulled into a shopping center where bystanders attempted to help by performing CPR. Another called 911, during which you can hear Ross screaming in the background. While the bystander performed CPR, Ross walked away from his child's body. Of course, we all know that grief is not something that one can predict. It's different in every single person and is not generally an indicator of malice. But many have pointed out that a parent will, in most cases, not walk away from their child in distress, rather stay and attempt to help do anything they can to help them. Unfortunately, Cooper had been left in the car for seven hours and had likely died very soon after Ross pulled into his work's parking lot and shut the car off. I feel real bad for the person that performed CPR on a child that has been dead for seven hours. Yeah, that's terrible. And also, like, the way he walked away from it is well, not necessarily an indicator of anything other than the fact that in his head he knew it had been fucking seven hours. Yeah. Like, that kid had been there all day. It wasn't something that just Accident happened. Accident or on purpose. He 100% knew seven hours is too long. Yeah, seven hours in a hot car, kids don't survive. And there was, like, differing opinions from the bystanders. One said that it was genuine emotion, and then another said that his screaming and his reaction to the situation was like in Anchorman, where Will Ferrell's in the phone booth. <laughs> Screaming that he's... I'm in a glass case of emotion. She said that was her exact description. She said that's what it sounded like. It was not genuine at all. And then the police, of course, on scene said, we knew something was up right away. The man punted Baxter! That's who he looks like. As police arrived on scene, Ross can again be seen screaming and acting distraught. At one point, an officer asked for his ID, to which he yells, shut the fuck up, all right, my child just died. And then the other cop yells, you better watch your fucking language, because he was yelling at a woman. <laughs> so he went from fuck the police to I don't need a lawyer real quick. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, people handle things differently and poorly and bad in certain situations. I have no idea how I'd react to finding a... Uh, a, a seven-hour dead child in the backseat of my car, and it was 100% my fault, I maybe lash out a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't, don't lash out at lady police officers that are trying to help you. That just seems rude, right? That would just make you like the Supreme Court of the United States. Oh. Not long after, Ross is handcuffed and placed in the backseat of a patrol car. Video here shows him exclaiming, oh my god, my boy, what have I done, etc., over and over. He's eventually transported to the station and is placed inside an interview room. While all of this is occurring, Liana is arriving at the Little Apron Academy to pick up Cooper, which is a typical routine. When she walks inside, the receptionist asks her what she's doing there. According to Liana, she begins to quote-unquote panic internally. When she's told that Ross never dropped Cooper off, she says, quote, Oh, Ross must have left him in the car. <laughs> and this is like 50-50. Some people say she said this. Some people don't mention it at all. She obviously didn't mention it in the documentary because she was the one being interviewed. And I don't think she would 
admit to saying this or maybe even remember saying it, but supposedly she said it. What if she just kind of instinctually knew that he was capable of being dumb like that? Like, you know, every once in a while, yeah, like, you know, when Jake puts something down that more than likely you're going to have to remember where it is because he's going to ask you about it, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things, you know, he's not good at it. So you just can assume that you need to know these things. So do you think she just sort of instinctually was just like, yeah, I can see that happening. How did this become about me? I don't think anyone's ever not looked at their boyfriend or husband and been like, oh, yeah, you can be kind of kind of dumb sometimes about that. He's pretty forgetful. No, I, I bet there was like an internal panic moment. Like, yeah, that dumb motherfucker left him in there. Yeah. Like, I feel so bad for her. An employee from the daycare goes with Leanna as they drive to Ross's workplace as she's unable to get a hold of him by cell phone. After discovering he's not there, she gets a phone call from a detective who tells her to wait there and he will come get her. Leanna is then picked up and taken to the station to be interviewed. That's gotta be a real rough wait. Yeah, because you gotta think she's like riding to the station. They probably didn't tell her right away what was going on. And she's probably thinking Ross is dead and hopefully her son's at the police station. And then she gets there, the old switcheroo, depression, because fucking Ross is still there, and he fucking killed her kid. Here's the thing, though, is that as a wife and mother, I'm guessing her hope is that everyone is okay. Like, I can imagine her waiting there and just thinking, like, I hope everyone's okay, I hope everyone's okay, I hope everyone's okay, only to be just absolutely hit with a shit ton of bricks when she gets there. But a detective came to get her, right? To take her back to the station. I, I'm not sure if detectives handle the grief side of telling someone they're dead. No, yeah. absolutely not. They, they just, just tell you and go they along hire with their day. That. At this point, I'm sure you're all divided. This could have easily been an accident as Ross changed his routine that morning, which is typically when children are forgotten. The brain kicks into autopilot and assumes that you follow the routine you do every other morning. But it was a Wednesday. just want to throw that in there. Is that relevant? Yeah, because you said earlier, most of the time, these are Thursday, Friday situations. Yeah, and this is hump day. (laughs) Yeah, It's not an all-the-time thing, Can't forget your kid on hump day. Many others stand strongly behind the conviction that it is impossible to forget your child, no matter the circumstances. Now, I don't agree with that, even a little bit. There's no such thing as an absolute when you're talking about someone's mental uh, state. Like, you can't say that everyone's reaction is going to be this to this situation. It's just not possible. Like, I I don't agree with that at all. Like, it's very easy to forget something that you care about. There's just a lot of people that say, like, it's your child. There's no way you can ever forget. And I mean, if you watch any news coverage from any of these 1,000 happening, there's always parents interviewed that are like, I don't know how you could ever forget your child in a car. This has never happened to me. This will never happen to me. Yeah, and then I mean, you that's, have the that's awesome. You're great. Thousands of other people that have. And I'm sure out of the three of us sitting here, one of our parents has forgotten us in a car before. Oh, I bet if my mom were here, she would say, yeah, Rory just slept in the car all the time, six, seven hours. No, she wouldn't say that. But she has for, she has left me and my sister in the car before while she ran into the gym. And it was an old rodeo that had a, it actually had a stick shift. And, uh, my sister kicked it out of gear and we started rolling and that happened. So that was scary. So don't leave kids in cars. Cause even if they don't die of heat stroke, they might 
roll away. They de- she definitely left us with the windows down. <laughs> I remember it very clearly. And we definitely almost did run into the car behind us. I think she even came out and asked what happened to the car. <laughs> and we were both just buckled in our seatbelts like we hadn't even moved. She didn't forget, though. No. She did it on purpose. She purposely and- left us there, yes. She, she knew you'd be all right. She took a little bit extra long, so she may have forgot. Back in the so night. she went into the gym to work out? I think so. <laughs> Were you parked under a tree? No. But it's this Utah. this was in Utah, yeah. It's not as hot as Arizona. I was more worried about us getting stolen or whatever. Because here's the thing is that in Utah, like Katie was saying, 70 degrees can turn into 110. All she was doing was prepping you guys for your you for your later life in Arizona. And we weren't that young, actually. If I'm having memories of this, so I you could have gone been. out of the car <laughs> yeah. if you really needed to. I'd have been like maybe. Mom, I'm gonna go into Circuit City. Oh wait, four or five? Yeah. Oh, that's too young to go into Circuit City. This is '90s, early '90s. You could walk into Circuit City by yourself without too much, too much worry about getting kidnapped. Yeah. At this point in the case, nothing really seemed malicious, as it seemed that Cooper became another victim of being forgotten. His dad should have been watching him like a hawk, though. That was until he stepped foot in the interrogation room. The footage begins with Ross left alone, a usual tactic for detectives to watch the behavior of the suspect. And they left him, and he paced, and he huffed, and it was fucking... It was a while. It was actually kind of weird to watch, because... Everyone's emotional reaction to things is different, so I can't really say whether or not that's an abnormal one that he was having, but it was very strange to watch him go through these patterns, like, where he would, like, like just stare off into nothing, then start sobbing inconsolably, and then stopping drinking his water. He'd be, like, shaking for a second, then it'd happen all over again. Yeah, and typically, when you have, like, an emotional response, it's a lot more... Is visceral than this seemed. He was in, like, if you're legitimately sobbing and hyperventilating, you can't just like turn it off and chug some water real quick and then go back to. Yeah, and like, okay, so it doesn't look like he checks out at all when he's doing that. It looks like it's a very thoughtful thing, like, oh, I need water. And he stops and he drinks, and he's not shaking. He's not like hyperventilated when he's doing it. He, no, but as soon as he screws the cat back on and sets it down, he goes back to yeah. and trying to literally make himself hyperventilate. Yeah, and it's it's crazy to watch it, the weird switches that happen because I'm, I'm like I'm no expert at watching people handle things emotionally, so I don't know how his spikes may be when he's having different emotions. But holy shit, it was weird. And he, like, theatrically throws himself onto the table. He'll, like, literally slam his hands down and put his head down and continue to sob. And then at one point, he's done crying. And he starts, like, touching the whiteboard behind him and, like... Yeah, it just looks like a a three-year-old in timeout throwing a fit for attention and then doesn't get the attention, so... Yeah, Yeah. he gets distracted and goes on to... moves on to something else. It just doesn't seem... Genuine. Legitimate, yeah. yeah. From, I mean... I'm sure you've seen people that have been actually upset and it looks nothing like that, especially if your child just died. Yeah, like like uncontrollable sobbing I can understand because there are people that shut down when something like that happens because their body is, you know, having a hard time like <gasps> catching its breath. But this dude was literally, did his breath didn't even look uneven when he was hyperventilating. It was, it was all very consistent. It was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. You definitely watch the interview. It's crazy. And at a couple points, you can see him crying, and he looks directly at the camera pointed at his face, and then 
he continues to cry and like rubs his eyes to make it look like oh. he's shedding tears. And according to the detectives, he did not shed a single tear. Well, yeah, and he talks about his child the whole time. And it's it's really creepy because like when he is crying, like he's rubbing his eyes so hard, but there have there are no tears coming out of his eyes. Like, well, the, just, the video is pretty bad too, but I mean, it's, it's a video of a video. Yeah, and it is really creepy looking actually. Like it's all blue. But I will say, if he planned this whole thing, the one thing he did not plan out well was having a little like you know clove of onion in his in his you know sle- sleeve or something. You got to make yourself cry. Yeah, I mean practice acting i guess practicing and there's in the if you watch the documentary the fatal distraction they interview a lot of people who this has happened to in like the course of since 98 like i mentioned and all of these people no matter how long it's been since their child died they cry yeah I as mean, soon as they talk about their child they start crying like genuine tears that's the mm-hmm. thing is like i i like i feel the same way about george like the second i'd start talking about him i get crazy sad and it's like fuck man that's like someone's kid that's a thousand million gotta times be worse. right like yeah gotta be yeah so it's just very it's really creepy it's, it's just weird yeah and yeah. it's not i know you can't you there's no way to for someone to act but this is not how someone has ever acted before in this situation yeah it's really i can understand why the detectives would be suspicious for sure yeah a little unnerved yeah As soon as a detective enters the room, Ross is done crying and shows absolutely no emotion in his voice. As he's being searched, he mentions that he worked for the police in Alabama as a dispatcher, seemingly trying to relate to the detective about to interview him or even appear confident like he knows the procedure well. After they began talking, Ross walks the detectives through his day, telling them about Chick-fil-A and driving to work. He says he went about his normal day at work completely leaving out the part where he went to Publix and Home Depot with his co-workers. He eventually does admit he left for lunch, but again admits the trip to Home Depot and the stop at his car to put the light bulbs inside. So, the one of the other things I wanted to say is that the the detective is d- did his job well. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but he did his job well playing uh, the concerned friend type for this oh, yeah. situation. He had him like, eaten out of the palm of his hand, omitting his rights to a lawyer. Oh, yeah. Well, he had him... The, the craziest thing was, like, when he was, like, searching him, they almost had, like, a banter going. Like, the, the cop oh, yeah. comes in and, like, pats him down, and they have, like, a little joke session. Like, they're not talking about a kid that just died. Yeah. And it it's, it's really weird to watch how cops can work and just shut down their own emotions. Because, I mean... This guy is 100% at fault, and you can't, it must be very hard not to scream that at him. Like, your child is dead because of you. doesn't matter whether or not, you know, it was an accident or anything. You are responsible. So, I mean, it's just got to, it's really weird to see. Sorry. Didn't really have a point there. Bootlicker Rory for you guys. I'm just kidding. Rory. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm. I'm just kidding. I'm, gonna I'm a little disgusted by it. Out. By how, how smooth the cop is. Yeah, by how much he can just literally shut himself down to be able to get on this guy's good side. Like, here, I'm a trickery. I mean, yeah, but let's be honest, this guy's dumb. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this is every interrogation ever. They're always super friendly, and they're going to offer you drinks and snacks, and if you need to go to the bathroom, like, they're going to do whatever they can to get you to talk. I mean, I would accept all of those things and then just not talk. 
Right. It's like I'm gonna need some. Uh, yeah, if you got some skittles, beef jerky, some beef jerky, maybe a little bit of Red Bull. They'll get it for you. I mean, that's the entire point. There's a whole process they go through for every every suspect Man, they I, speak to. That's what we have motorcycle really cops want, for. I really want to get like not like. I want to put myself up against a detective and see how well I could do. You would like, lose. You think so? You would lose. You Everyone think? loses if they speak to the I, police. I, think, I literally think I could not say a goddamn word to a cop and just sit there and drink my Red Bull and eat my pretzels and beef jerky for 10 hours. Well, that's not really testing yourself against the... Oh, you just mean like them harassing you into it? Yeah, like I, I want to see what they could throw at me to get me to start talking. <laughs> you would lose. You think so, Katie? You can talk yourself into trouble, can't talk yourself out of trouble. The detectives then ask Ross how he thinks this happened. He goes on to explain how he had recently seen news articles of another man who had the same thing happen, and how it's recommended you always look over your shoulder to check that your child isn't inside the car. Ross claims that he's been doing that, except for today, apparently. Right, you don't understand. I saw a video that made me be checking every fucking day. I just, this day... Fucking this day, my routine was thrown off, and you, there was fucking no cheese on my fucking biscuit, bacon biscuit. Fuck. That's what he got at Chick-fil-A. Bacon cheese biscuit. Is that a thing? Bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, he said. And, and uh, Cooper got its sausage biscuit. A little bit of info for you people who like the small details. Ross also admits that he'd watched a video of a vet explaining how hot it can get in a car and why you should never leave your dog in a parked car. Although Ross didn't seek this video out intentionally, he'd watched it on Reddit just five days before Cooper's death. I'm sure you guys have seen this video. It's the vet. He's in, like, blue scrubs, and he's got a beard, and mm-hmm. he sits in the car and just holds a thermometer yeah. up. I didn't even know Reddit was a thing in 2014. Ross then admits that he takes a bag to work, which he places on the front seat next to him. It's highly unlikely that Ross would have missed seeing Cooper while reaching over for the bag. Ross also makes an almost joke or witty comment about how he should have been putting it in the back seat instead. He's like, back seat, B is in Bravo, A is in Alpha, C is in Charlie. They're like, shut the fuck up with the fucking acronym. All I know is Foxtrot Unicorn Charlie Kilo. But yeah, I saw you make a face when I said that he couldn't have not seen the kid, but I mean... Well, okay, so people may not be as observant as other people, and I do If you have a child in your car, you're going to be observant. I, I, want, I want to be give him the benefit of the doubt at this point in time that maybe this is an accident, that quite possibly he just sucks and is not observant. See, right now it's okay to feel about like that. In two paragraphs, it's, it's not okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you can find pictures online of the car and what Cooper would have looked like in the back seat. He sat in the middle seat, so he wasn't to the right or to the left. And I can only assume when you grab something out of the passenger seat of your car, you're at least going to look at what you're grabbing, Right. I've never, like, looked the other way and just tried to grab what I was searching for. I've looked the other way and tried to hide something while a cop was at my window. See, and that's totally different. But if you turned your head, I mean, you're going to at least see a portion of your back seat. You'll see your middle seat. There's what if nothing he has there. just bad peripheral vision, Katie? They should have sent him straight in for an eye exam. Been like, is there, like, a large amounts of skin folding around your eyes making it hard for you to see peripherally. He wasn't that overweight. 
But, but when, but I so, mean, okay, so this was a 22-month-old child. So this was a two-year-old. This isn't an infant. And he, he's in a rear-facing okay. car seat. But he's so, already in the fucking apron so, academy. It, right. You're going to see the top of his head. I'm, I'm, I'm looking here. All right, so I'm holding my vape out to my right. I'm looking here at my vape. I can't see anything that's over my shoulder. I can only see this much of it. And my peripheral vision cannot distinguish the difference between a car seat and a car seat with a person's head in it. Roy, I think your peripheral vision is affected by having glasses. You're probably correct. So there's all of these instances. So he drives to work. I don't know about you guys, but I look in my rear view all the time while I'm driving. Yes. I'm more of a side view guy, but I do use the rear view. I, I see. I never use my side mirrors, but I always am constantly looking in my rear view. So he drives to work. He gets to the parking lot. He backs up again, somehow doesn't look at his backseat in any way, shape or form. $2,500 backup camera he, option. He backs into his parking spot. No, he pulls in forward. Did he? Yeah. Okay. So he pulls into he his parking spot. He backed up because spot. he wasn't like... Yeah, he, I think he, he was going to it. a separate parking lot. Yeah, yeah, there was no spot, so he was like... But so he's driven, hasn't looked behind him. He's backed up, hasn't looked behind him. He gets something out of the passenger seat of his car without seeing anything behind him. Okay, so there's this horror movie trope where, like, bad guys hide in the back seat and jump out and stab you. Maybe he was one of those guys that doesn't look in their back seat when they get in the car. He wasn't getting in the car. He was driving it and then getting out of yeah, it. Yeah, see, that's the thing is that... I, I really want to think that this guy just sucks. I feel he does. like there's just a lot of instances where most people would have at least looked in their rear view and seen their back seat. All right, I'm going to test this theory. I'm going to hide something in Katie's back seat. See how long it takes her to see find it? See how long it? it takes her to see it. Well, now she's going to be looking for it. Well, she should be because that just it's like him, he should have been looking. So. I'm a woman. I look in my back seat before I get <laughs> she, in my car. She should be. It's going to be her cat. I'm just going to. Tape most <laughs> tape gus in the car seat in the back. Most people don't drive their cars, or at least most women don't drive their cars and park them and not look in the back seat before they get in, just as like a safety precaution. I'm gonna test this. I'm gonna go start hiding in the backs of cars, <laughs> jumping up. This is an experiment, and then just jumping out of the car. Arizona is not a good state to be doing that in. Roy's like, boom, would have got you. Bye. <laughs> Check your back seat. The more you know, and just dips. They're just wanted posters for the guy that's just like out warning women to check their back seat. Rory's <laughs> gonna be a statistic in a hot car death from trying to wait for a woman to run his experiment. He just gets too hot. Point zero zero one percent of hot car deaths are related to men trying to bring a better bring awareness, awareness to women about checking their back seats. That's that is Rory feminist icon. That's me. <laughs> The detectives then tell Ross he's being placed into a cell and at that moment being charged with cruelty to a child. Ross goes on a long-winded rant about how great of a father he is, how everyone would vouch for him, how he worked for law enforcement, he's answered their question, and then finally says that he understands there's criminal statutes and he understands they feel he's met the requirements for one of them. And also he's really upset about the word cruelty. Yeah, he argues with the charge that they're placing on him and it just seems like a really odd time to be so concerned about what they're charging you with at that moment i feel like most people would be guilty enough with yeah. their self with themselves and their conscience to be like okay arrest me that's fine it's because he legitimately i think he legitimately thought that if he denied his his lawyer it would make him look less guilty told this whole story he honestly thought because he's a 
privileged ass white male that he was gonna fucking walk out of there and go home that night. And so when they told him that they were putting him in a cell, it did not compute with his plan. And it's at this point the detective stops and looks at him and says, "Your actions caused the death of your child." And yeah. he's like, "I'm going to put you into a cell." And <laughs> he openly admits he's like, "Yes, I know that." And again. Yeah whole conversation what like probably an hour he speaks to them and he doesn't cry no at all or show any sort of emotion so don't you know real men don't cry <laughs> big girls don't cry bro that's how the song goes so he goes from i mean <laughs> he's a big girl no doubt <laughs> he goes from 15 to 20 minutes of just hysteria before the police walk in to no emotion deadpan i'm gonna actually argue with you right now about why you shouldn't be charging me yeah, what Which, crime did I commit? He's the all, hey, one where your child died, you dumb fuck. Yeah. Like, I know the system. I know that you left me in here to to watch and so you know, it, you know, observe my behavior, but I'm also not going to get a lawyer. Oh, dude, and in the interview when he's watching himself like cry, he's like got his hand over and he's like looking through one eye and shit. It's peeking. like so fucking weird. Just like a little kid. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're ever in this scenario, you should not be the one arguing your charges with the police. That's what a fucking lawyer is for. Yeah. You should Facts. not wait until you are arguing with the police about your charges to be like, "Well, I'm going to get a lawyer now." Now I'd like a lawyer, please. So in the Cost words like, no problem. of Katie, "No, no, don't trust the popo." Katie says it all the time. Oh, no, no, no. Don't trust the po, 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 po. <laughs> Never speak to the police. <laughs> Ever. That's going to be our, uh, you know, if we were like one of those podcasts that had some stupid little book of rules or something that you have to follow in life. we just never be able to sell stickers because cops would be like, that's weird. I'm going to pull them over and see what's going on. <laughs> it's from a podcast, I swear. Uh. And then you'd be breaking the rule because you'd be tra- talking to the police. Yeah, no justice, no peace, don't trust the police. Once their interview is over, the detectives let Ross see Leanna. He goes on another sob spree, saying over and over, why me, I can't believe this happened to me, and other self-pitying statements. Which, so like, well, it happened to the kid. Exactly, you'd expect yeah. in this situation for him to be saying, why did this happen to Cooper? Like, why am I such a dumbass? When he's done crying, he tells Leanna all he can think about is the jail cell and how the cot is uncomfortable and the toilet is metal. He then tells her that Cooper looked peaceful with his eyes closed, which is untrue. He says to her, quote, I was dreading that he was going to look terrible. The statement strongly implies that Ross had time to think about what his child would look like after he passed away, meaning there was at least some forethought behind the death. What if he, like, remembered at noon and he was like, nope too late well yeah you gotta go clock back in for my <laughs> last three hours i'm just yeah, gonna pretend like this didn't happen he went out there and he tossed the light bulbs in just to check kind of like okay yep still dead <laughs> so uh, the the other thing is though that this guy sucks like i can't say it enough this dude blows he's the worst and like what he why would you lie to her that her child looked peaceful like you well, maybe he was trying to give her a little bit of sense of peace you but know? here's the thing is that he describes in the police interview what his child looked like because he was like they're like why were you doing this or whatever and he was like he was like well, because I, I know i know what a dead thing looks like I, I know when you check the pulse and breath and it's not there it's dead right well i mean obviously he's a liar as we're about to find out even more so yeah you can't, you can't trust a hoe. Fuck this and dude. 
this is not a peaceful way to die. This is an excruciating way to die. And this child suffered immensely before he passed away. And so I think saying that he looks peaceful over and over is more so for himself and for his conscience than hers, trying to make himself feel better about... I mean, he literally cooked his child to death. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, and also, I didn't write this in, but I want to mention it. Leanna says to him... Do you think we'll ever have more kids? Uh, oh. And he says, yeah, of course, just because we lost one child doesn't mean we can't have any more. Which That's is exactly what it means. A very inappropriate time to be discussing Whipping up having some more, babies. more children. And it's like, yeah. one of the things I watched, the person was like, you know, people after their dog dies don't immediately go out and get another dog because it makes them feel guilty that... Their dog was replaceable, and these people, their kid dies, and immediately they're talking about replacing it. So we fully can't bring Leanna in on this, because I feel like she's got a little something-something to do with this. No, because who knows what you can say in grief. And I she mean, was trying to make him feel better. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, she still loves this guy, and this guy just killed her child, obviously. And he, she probably, if she really cares about this guy and can't imagine him doing this on purpose, she probably legitimately thinks, like, shit. I, I still love this guy. Like, it's just an accident. I mean... It's the dumbest are, talking to the cops without a lawyer. There are people that are... For, I'm sorry, Katie. There are people that are forgiving in this world that believe in forgiving people for horrible, terrible things. I think, in my opinion, if, 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 if you're a man and you do something to harm a child, you don't get to have children anymore. Like, you, are, you have proven yourself to not be a good parent. Let's unicize them. That's, I'm not saying, you know, but maybe like chemical castration or, or a vasectomy until they can prove a point that they can actually, like they have to go back and do like five or six classes or something. Or like carry a bag of flour for four months. Something like that. And have it not get weevils. Um, another thing is these two are very Christian. So there's a lot of... Flour carrying. That and immediate forgiveness for... Especially your spouse, your your yeah. like head of household. Yeah, onward Christian <sighs> soldiers and shit. Fucking barf. Barf, yeah. After the interrogations were finished, police got search warrants for the home and Ross's electronics. Although he previously claimed to only have a pornography addiction, it had gone much further than that. Police discovered that Ross was talking to six different women on apps like Kick. Not only was he talking to them, he was frequently requesting nude pictures of them and sexting. Was he like, do you think, like catfishing all, six women? Because this guy doesn't no. look like, this guy's got six ladies and he looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy. He met multiple women and he also um, requested the services of sex workers. Oh. Mm-hmm. On the day of Cooper's death, as he sat in the car in the parking lot, Ross was busy on his phone getting nudes. Not only was he sexting six different women, one of them was only 16 years old. You know what's really fucked up is that uh, we should just go ahead and say fuck this guy because he was sitting in the car, right, with his dead kid getting nudes? No, no he was. the kid was sitting uh, in the car dying or dead. Yeah. Ross was getting titty pics on his phone. From an underage child, gross. Fuck this guy. Yeah. 
In the documentary Fatal Distraction, Leanna admits that Ross's infidelity was a constant issue throughout their marriage and that they'd gone to their pastor for counseling along with the sex therapist. Do you know what their religion actually is? The one that lets the pastor go to the sex therapist with you and you all have an orgy. I'm, they're Christian. That's all I know. Ah. Although Leanna had been aware of previous relationships Ross had struck up, she was unaware of just how serious the cheating was until after Cooper's death. While Ross was being held in jail for trial, Leanna divorced him and moved out of Georgia. Good for her. Good for her. In May of 2016, it was decided that an impartial jury could not be found in Cobb County where the alleged crime occurred, so the trial was held in Brunswick, Georgia. That's where they invented bowling balls, I think. Mm-hmm. And Cobb is where they invented corn. The trial began in October of 2016. The prosecution argued that Ross Harris was tired of being married and living the family life and was looking for a way out. They argued that he intentionally left Cooper in the car to die so he could obtain a divorce and go on to enjoy his life with as many women as he wanted. That doesn't really sound like the thought of a smart man. I mean, I guess I could see their theory, but he that would be have to assume that he escapes prison. Yeah, you don't just get to kill your child and not have any consequences um and then they also argued that you know the, the app whisper yeah where you go on to make confessions yeah you make like anonymous confessions and you can message people that's where he met a lot of these women it it, it was an app from around that time yeah like it's still popular is it yeah it's still people still use it oh man it was it, yeah it was when we were living in edgewood so that long ago I, we discovered that thing we? I don't even remember it. Well, I did. I remember that and Kick. I just was remembering that one thing, Cameo. That's still going as well. Is it? Yeah, where you get celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. I was just reading about Jackass Cameo. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But apparently I forgot about a lot of these things. Yeah, so Whisper is, I mean, it's still a thing, so I'm sure a lot of people listening know what it is, but you basically go on and you can post confessions anonymously and it's like, it's just a cesspool, basically. Yeah. But Ross was on this app in the morning, and he saw a whisper post, I guess, that said something along the lines of, I'm tired of living the family life. I thought it was for me, and it's not. And he replied to it, and he said, I love my son, but everyone needs an escape. Oh, shit. And so the prosecution hounded on that a lot. Well, yeah, that seems like a pretty... Ominous thing to say the day that you're you just leave your son in the car all day. It is also a very open statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it can, it's like a hit or miss, and a lot of the points the prosecution made, the defense also used in like the opposite faction, basically. So because it's an open statement, basically, even though it's really kind of damning, it can't be taken as damning. Yeah, and it's not. It's also not really like uh, everyone. Everyone does need an escape. It's not like he's saying something like. Yeah, kill your fucking kid and get out of there. Everybody, everybody, everybody needs. Everybody, everybody needs an escape. My homes. My homes. <laughs> the defense argued that Ross, plainly and simply, forgot Cooper was in the car. After 22 days of testimony, Ross was found guilty of malice murder and sentenced to life without parole. Ross was also charged and convicted of sex crimes for his online affair with a 16-year-old child. Ha! So this was a full-on jury and everything, right? There mm-hmm. was a jury of his peers. How, did they come to this conclusion pretty quickly? Four days of deliberation. Four whole days? That seems like a lot for this instance. I was thinking like four and a half minutes. 
Yeah. And a lot to discuss. The merit of this is very moralistic, right? Like, do you believe that this person with malicious intent actually tried to kill his child, or is he just a forgetful dumb son of a bitch that deserves to go to jail just for being dumb? Hmm. Either way, send him to jail. And for real. According to the documentary, Brunswick is a very evangelical place, and so when you mix together sex crimes, a man cheating on his wife, and a child dying, people are really gonna hate him solely for the fact that he was having all these extramarital affairs that's three strikes that's a turkey yeah brunswick nice after spending six years in prison on june 22nd 2022 ross harris's murder conviction was overturned by the georgia supreme court his appellate lawyers contended that the sex crime charges along with his various other affairs with women and sex workers did not relate to the murder charge They argued that although Ross was a bad husband, there was little evidence to prove that he was a bad father, and sexting women did not equate or even relate to the death of Cooper Harris. So, I actually kind of agree with that. Like, I get it, the dude is a giant shitbag, but being a giant shitbag doesn't mean you maliciously killed your child. Just means that you have bad priorities. It just means that you suck. You suck at life, you suck at being a human being. Like, in total, like, either A, you did actually kill your kid on purpose and you're a fucking shitty murderer, or B, you did kill your kid either way, so you're just kind of <laughs> shitty. Like It's just if you have some you just plausible... Kind of, yeah, like, you just suck because you forget, but you're still a murderer. It still happened. You still did it. Either way, you deserve punishment, but... Either way, you're an unfit father. Yeah, so just how much punishment shouldn't be based on how shitty of a a human this guy is it should be based on the uh based on whether or not he actually did this with the intent to kill his child to be free but we all could agree that the outcome should be the same yeah he definitely should be in prison like i do agree though that they shouldn't bring his shitty nature into a topic that should be decided on the instances of the case but i mean Technically, as a character, like, question, it might be brought up. I don't know. What do you think, Katie? I mean, the Georgia Supreme Court agreed with you that these should have been separate trials. And, I mean, one had nothing to do with the other. The prosecution's big point was that he was so distracted and so wrapped up with his sexting and his other relationships that he, I mean, just didn't really care to check if his child was in the car and would be happy or okay with the fact that his child died. Couldn't they theoretically draw the the similarity in the fact that sexting a 16-year-old is child abuse, right? So then it could be connected, couldn't it? At least that one instance? Well, I mean, sex crimes and murder generally are not the same thing. Maybe they should or be. Like, I mean, it's hard to say that a person that commits a sex crime will intentionally kill someone i mean if you don't have any respect for someone else's autonomy what's the word body autonomy autonomy, body autonomy then you might not have any respect for their life yeah i mean that's also true but i I don't think in this case that we can really relate the two i mean no sexting a 16 year old is not a violent crime no it's 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 a dirty gross old white man crime but it's not like a (laughs) not like a murder 
intentional. It's death kind of a congressman kind of crime, huh? It's a very congressman crime. Okay. And um, there's a lot of the points that, like I said earlier, the the prosecution and the defense kind of played off each other because a lot of it was like, oh, he intentionally did this and he thought it would be played off as an accident. And then everyone's like, well, if he intentionally did this and thought everyone would believe it was an accident, why wouldn't he have deleted yeah. all of this data where he watched that video of the vet in the hot car and sexed a bunch of women and sent them pictures of his penis the morning of. So... That's true. He might be concerned about covering up, covering his trail, not making it more incriminating. Yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, in the same scenario, you can think, well, maybe he used this as he was so distracted that he forgot, and that's why he didn't delete anything. He thought it would help him. I, I, wa- I wonder if it, this is like a daily thing for him that uh, on his way into work, like it's the, fir- the five, last five minutes of his day on his drive to work are spent, you know, just sending dick pics out to women. Like, the whole drive is just, just him. Just sitting there like... Boop. Yep, taking, sh- taking, taking driving shots and shit. Driving shots. <laughs> you just wrap your dick around the steering wheel and be like, it's driving! <laughs> so, I mean, there's... I, I didn't watch the whole trial just because I don't have 22 days. What, um, what do you mean you don't have 22 to days? S- to spend doing that, nor do I want to. But all of the women that he sexted were interviewed... Um, the 16-year-old, I don't know if her testimony was included in the live stream because her identity was protected because she's a minor, but Leanna testified for the defense, and she wholeheartedly believes he's innocent, and this was a tragic accident. She still obviously dislikes him because he, I mean, was having an affair basically for the whole 10 years they were married, but she still doesn't think that... He did it on purpose. I mean, that's actually a pretty... That's a, a glowing recommendation from the mother of the... True. ...dead child. Fuck this guy. For real, though, this guy still sucks. I mean, he's a shitty human being, and I I personally, I kind of don't believe that he did this intentionally. I really think he was just shittily distracted by being a big old dirtbag. So, so even though his trial, they're getting a new trial, he's still in jail, right? Mm-hmm. He's still serving time because of the sex crimes. How much time did he get for those? I think around 30 years. Nice. All right. So he's stuck either way. Yeah. So he, I mean, he obviously deserves to be in prison. Whether he's guilty of killing his child is up in the air. I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of people that really think he's fully 100% guilty and this was intentional. And I can see the points because, I mean, like I said earlier, there's plenty of times he any normal person would have seen the backseat of their car, and he somehow didn't. Um, Normal is a questionable judgment level, though. It is, but at the same time, it's your kid. Yeah. And this wasn't a huge, like, he's never done this before. He's never taken Cooper to the Chick-fil-A with him. And, I mean, another big point, too, is that the drive from the Chick-fil-A to his office was, someone timed it, I think it was two or three minutes. So in that two or three minutes, Cooper would have had to have been put in his car seat and immediately fallen asleep yeah. and not made any sort of noise. Right after a breakfast lemonade. Yeah, I'm not... I, I'm kind of on the fence on this. It's really hard to say without... It's really hard to say whether or not this guy did it with intention. He put the kid in the car. He didn't take the kid out of the car. The kid died. Intention or not, fuck him. 
I mean, I've definitely left the water running in my backyard for like seven or eight hours before. It's not a that child. That is not that's the also, same. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I'm just saying that I can't. That's like it. when I get in my truck and drive a quarter mile and I'm like, oh, I forgot my headphones. Yeah. I don't even forget my headphones for more than a quarter mile. How's he going to forget his whole ass kid? And I mean, he was in the, there's security footage of him in the Chick-fil-A. He holds Cooper the entire time. He doesn't set him down. He shakes a manager's hand. The manager says, you know, here's, like, it's good to see you, see your child. The manager knew the kid's name, knew Ross's name. I mean, it's Chick-fil-A. They obviously have good customer service from what I've heard. So, <laughs> won't eat there still. But, and then throughout the day, apparently they were planning on going on a cruise and taking Cooper with them. And so he was Googling um, child passports and... So it's like that could be either or he could be either trying to cover it up and act like he didn't know his child was dying and that he was trying to pretend like this wasn't intentional or he genuinely could have thought Cooper was at daycare. He also sent a text to Leanna and asked her when she was picking his little buddy up from daycare, which again is 50-50. It could go either way. I'm fully of the belief, only based on his reaction when they told him that they were putting him in a cell, that he thought that he had this all planned. He'd watched enough, you know, 48 hours, 24 hours, 60 minutes, whatever it is. He'd watched enough of it, and he knew what he was going to do to get his shit all set up. Nickus? Could be Nickus. And so he thought he was going to get away with it. He thought he, had his, he thought he had his tracks all covered. But the fact of the matter is, the cops saw right through that shit. Yeah, and his behavior is incredibly suspicious. We all agree on that. But, I mean, this, if you wanted to kill your child... This is one way to do it. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. people that have been found not guilty or have not even been charged with anything because it was an accident. I don't like using suspicious as a basis for saying the guy's guilty, though. Like, it, it's really... It, it all adds up really creepily well, but... Well, he's a nerdy tech guy, right? Yeah. So theoretically, he's like... He probably looks up some statistics. Percent of, percentage of parents who get off killing their kids in a hot car and a thousand kids since 1998 it's happened to most of those parents probably got off he thought i got a pretty good chance well here's that's that also leads me to hate to be the defense here but that also leads me to the same thing though like he's a tech guy why would he not clean his shit well i mean we've seen home depot's website yeah that's true it's really dirty and i mean you could have easily use that as oh i was distracted yeah that could easily be your cover yeah i was distracted i didn't know that was a 16 year old i was talking to yeah i'm bad at tech (laughs) is that gonna do it on this one kitty yes that is all all right guys well as always if you have any questions comments or concerns feel free to send us an email at fourcornerscrimecast at gmail.com that's f-o-u-r cornerscrimecast at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Four Corners Crimecast, on Instagram at Four Corners Crimecast, on Twitter at Four Corners Cast, and our Facebook group, Four Corners Crimecast Discussion Group. And don't forget to go to our website, fourcornerscrimecast.com, where you can get a full episode list, or you could send us an idea for an episode that you want, or you can get a free sticker just by going into our little shop, putting the sticker in your cart, type in Bingo Bango into the promo code box, and check out. We'll send it to you for free. You'll be all set. Bingo, bango. That's that's the code. Bingo, bango's the code. I said it. Oh, and also, uh, I hear Home Depot's looking for a website designer. 
they, eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Bye. yeah. <laughs> Fuck the Supreme Court of the United States. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. For real. Katie, what do you feel? How do you feel about the Supreme Court of the United States? Um, it's a bunch of old white men who should not have any sort of power. Yeah, fuck old white people. I think the Republicans screwed themselves, and I think that if you don't think overturning Roe versus Wade was a bad idea, you should not listen to this podcast. Yeah. And fuck you. Fuck you, come at us. Yeah. Fuck you. Later, guys. Bye. Adios, motherfuckers!